Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Please take a seat. Well, if there is one thing that I am happy to say goodbye to in this post-pandemic world that we live in now, we can say post-pandemic, can't we? Right, okay, thank you. <laughs> the one thing I'm looking forward to saying goodbye to is politicians and podiums. You notice that? Can we celebrate that? <laughs> politicians and podiums. I mean, it's just ingrained into our soul now, isn't it? That politicians and podiums go with pandemics. There we go. What great alliteration we have this morning. Um, I mean, it's so ingrained in us uh, that it's just, it triggers us, right? Like, what does the time 11 a.m. represent for you? <laughs> Sorry, someone up the back there? Gladys O'Clock. Exactly, it's Gladys O'Clock. <laughs> 11 a.m. is Gladys O'Clock, another politician and another podium. But, you know, isn't it interesting? What, what, what is it with us? Because as much as we laugh at Gladys O'Clock, do you remember the outrage that happened when Gladys said she was no longer going to do the briefings? I mean, there was outrage. I think part of the reason why there's the outrage is uh, we secretly, and I think you, as much as you want to clap, you secretly love a politician and a podium. And the reason you do is that there is a, let me use a theological term, a with usness that we feel when there's a leader and a podium. There is a with usness. Where are the politicians in this pandemic? Well, they're at the podium. It's 11 o'clock. There's Gladys. There's a with, with us, you know. I don't want to get controversial. Remember the time that Scott went overseas when all the bushfires were happening? Our Prime Minister, where's Scott in all of this? In all of our Christness, you see, we we yearn for a with usness. When life is crazy, we want a with usness. That is the message of Christmas as we move into the next four weeks. Message of Christmas, very simply, that in God as a baby is that that is his ancient version of a politician and a podium. Where is God in all of this? And we see in the form of Jesus and a baby with us. He's with us. Hebrews 11 says, Consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggles you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Our hope is this. God becomes a human at Christmas for all the messaging that is out there and we can declare that God is with us. More importantly, that Jesus gets us. He gets you and he gets me because he was human. Uh, Theologically, they say that your Christology informs your theology. I just said that so that you could go home thinking that you had a really deep sermon this morning. But really what it means is how you view Jesus impacts the way that you see God. And the theologians past said that Jesus was both at the same time fully God and fully human. He was a 200% human being. He was fully God and he was fully human. And over the next four weeks, we're going to press into the humanness of Jesus. Jesus the little baby, Jesus the man. Because it can bring you great comfort and hope. 
particularly at this time of year, because here's the challenge for us this morning. We all worry, right? We all worry. We worry about all sorts of stuff. In fact, if this is your first time to church, uh, maybe this is your last crack at having church. Maybe you're watching in and you're thinking, I'm checking out church. You know what? If, even if you're not a person of faith, you'll have something in common with every single person in this room this morning. You know what that is? We all worry, <laughs> right? So look around at all these people with all their lives together and you can just think in your head, you are a warrior. Yeah, not warrior, warrior. Not that ambitious this morning. The reality is we all worry, right? We worry about all sorts of different things in life. Uh, and we're, you know, I figure today I'm surrounded by some world-class warriors, right? <laughs> in fact, a research uh, on worry said... Um, they did a worldwide study in this post-pandemic world, and here's what most people worry about. Number one, COVID. Some of you are so worried about COVID, you're not with us this morning, and that's totally fine, but people worry about COVID. People worry about work. People worry about their health. People are worrying about the economy, recession. You're thinking, wow, what a positive message we've got this morning. <laughs> Tell you what I worry about, OPOs. Anyone know what that is? If you're under the age of 30, I'd just throw this in so I can sound cool. It means other people's opinions. I worry about other people's opinions all the time. I worry about the weather. Is it going to be a La Nina? Is it going to wreck my summer? Right? It's just, we all worry. Wouldn't it be great just to be able to switch that off? And just have a magic trick to just say, okay, you know, let's just switch it off. And the reality is, this morning where I want to go is that you can't stop worrying, but you can worry better. Would you like to worry better? Would you like to worry better with me? Because I think the way that I worry better is to actually look at the way that Jesus worried. And the minute I say that, some people are going to freak out. You know, some people get on the online forum going, oh my goodness, you can't say that because Jesus was God. He never worried. He was fully God and he was fully human. And I want to show you some passages this morning where it shows us clearly that Jesus worried the same way that you worried. Jesus had anxiety. Jesus tried to deal with anxiety and in his humanness it didn't go well. So he started well when he says this passage, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Therefore, I tell you, don't worry. <laughs> Which, when I see that passage, that kind of makes me want to punch someone in the face. You know, have you, have you ever, and hear me out here, have you ever had a Christian come to you when you are in the midst of your anxiety and say to you, oh, well, Jesus said, just don't worry, right? <laughs> How helpful is that? <laughs> And I kind of read this passage, and I'm like, that's nice for you, Jesus. You're, you're God. You, of course you can say that. Don't worry. It's kind of like a, a rich kid saying, you know, you know don't, don't, don't worry about your, what you drive or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, of course you think like that. Because look at who your parents are. You're God. Of course you're not going to worry. And yet, when you read in further through the Scriptures, not long after... Jesus preaches this rosy message. He's faced with a paralyzing worry. The kind of worry that when you read it, you go, okay, now we're talking. The kind of worry that when you see it, you go, okay, this makes sense now. You see, he'd made powerful enemies. 
He'd started preaching, he'd pushed against the institution and people were after him and wanted to torture him, wanted to arrest him. And he goes to a place just outside Jerusalem called Gethsemane and it says they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And then it says, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. My soul is sorrowful to the point of death. You know, some, some commentators don't dare to say this, but they say that the phrasing that he was sorrowful to the point of death is that the, the translation, some commentators dare to say that Jesus was suicidal. Why else would you say I'm sorrowful to, to, to the point of death? Such was his anxiety in this moment. And so... That's a more human Jesus. That's a more real Jesus. That's a Jesus I can relate to. And it means if you're not a person of faith this morning, what you can take away from this this morning is when you see this, is that first of all, Jesus gets you. Jesus gets that you can't stop worrying because he worried, and it's human. It's human to worry. Jesus worried. I'm sorrowful to the point of death. It gets you. It means that anxiety is not a sin. It's a human condition. Anxiety is a natural response to high-pressure situations. We get anxious because there's a threat to our future. We feel that if there's an ominous doctor's report. We feel that if something happens to us financially. We feel that if someone threatens us. It's a natural human emotion that Jesus, as fully man, felt himself. And so when we see him with the same emotion, we go, he gets us. He understands us. Jesus gets that we all worry. Jesus also gets that we can try all we can to stop worrying. There in Gethsemane, it then says that they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he says to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed. And then verse 35, going a little further, he fell to the ground and he prayed if possible, that the hour might pass from him. And so we see Jesus is using everything he can in that moment, a place called Gethsemane. It was a place that was safe to him, that he loved. It was a favorite place where he would pray. So he goes to his favorite place. He brings his favorite friends. He prays to God and he even negotiates with God. Isn't that exactly what you and I tend to do in our humanness when we worry? I do at least. I go to my favorite place. I get people around me. I talk to people, I pray, and I even negotiate with God. Oh, Lord, look, if, you know, if I just go to church for the next three or four times in a row, to which I kind of realize I kind of have to because I'm paid to be here, but I know that's how you guys negotiate, right? When you're in trouble, you say, if I, just, if I pray extra hard, Lord, if I just do this for you now, if I just dig in really hard, and I promise I'm going to read all of the New Testament. Isn't that how we bar bargain with God? I'll read all of the New Testament, and I'll go to church four times in a row. Right? We try all that we can, humanly possible, to deal with the worry, and that's what we see with Jesus doing here. He's doing all he humanly can. He's not waltzing around in a white robe. You know, kind of like someone out of the Justice League or the Avengers thinking, come on, just bring it on. No, he's, he's being very human in his response. He gets that we try all that we can to stop worrying. And he also gets, Jesus gets, that human coping mechanisms don't work so well. Because at the end of the day, his friends fall asleep. 
The prayer doesn't work to take this cup from him. The men that were hunting him down eventually find him. And yet there's something within him that allows him to face that which he faces with such a poise and a strength. That which he faces with such a poise and a strength that he does it without resisting and without violence. To which I say, how does he do that? (laughs) Because I don't know about you, but... I get into these moments of anxiety and worry and when, whenever I get into these moments, then I just, I just double down on my own humanness and I just start the bargaining or I start trying to take things into my own hands or I start squirreling away <laughs> or I start trying to engineer relationships. How does Jesus do this? And I think he gives us a clue out of that sermon that he preached before he gets to Gethsemane. He gives us a clue in that phrase. And he does what Kristen always says to me that I should do. You know, it was hilarious. Last, last week, you know, I preached on presents. We're, we're having lunch as we do, family lunch at the table. And Kristen's there. I'm cooking the kids some hot chips as we do, some takeaway chips. And we're sitting at home debriefing after hanging out with you guys. And she just yells from the other room, Oh, a great sermon this morning. Um, you've still got a lot of work to do. <laughs> right? To which I like I always say to her, you know, please don't preach my own sermons back to me. You know, my sermons are meant for you, right? <laughs> Jesus lived his own sermon. And that's why we've got it there. Because, you know, as, as one of the, the great um, writers, Dorothy Sayers says, that the incarnation means that for whatever reason, God chose to allow himself to be limited, to suffer and to be subject to the sorrows of death. For whatever reason that God did that, he has nonetheless had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. Jesus lived his own words. This is how we worry better because we see the way that Jesus worried better. Jesus worried better simply by thinking. It sounds crazy because we think people of faith are these miraculous people that when they're worrying, they just pray to their God. You might be thinking that this morning, that when they pray to their God, that God comes down and because you've got this huge faith that somehow God comes down and it stops all the worrying. But there's a discipline attached to de-worrying, if I can use that word. There's a discipline attached to that and it's called thinking. In that, in that Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, consider the birds, look at these birds. Look at the way that they're flying around and being fed. Does not your Father in heaven look after these? Consider the lilies, the grass. Look at the grass. Think, is God not only looking after them the same way that he's looking after you? Think, McFly, think, to use a phrase from Back to the Future 2. In other words, Jesus is saying, if God is in charge of all of this, then has he not got charge over your life? And he's saying to us, do you know how to use that in your, on, on, in, on your heart? Do you, do you know how to live out the sermon that he preaches to you? Providence comes from the word provide. Providence, the doctrine of the providence of God means that whatever is going on for you in your life, God is still there providing even when it doesn't feel like it. Ephesians 1 says everything is working out according to the counsel of his will. Romans 8 says all things work together for the good of those who love him. 
And Jesus says, the more that you begin to work that into your heart, the better. The more that you are pushing that into your heart, the better. The more that you are working that out, the better. Because is it just me or do most of us live our life through this equation where if, if, if life is good, God is good. And life bad, God bad. Anyone heard that equation from someone? What if life good, God good, life bad, God still working as an equation? (laughs) Because that's what Jesus ultimately had to come to in listening and living out his own sermon in that garden, that God was still working. And so in that moment, what we do is that we apply to our hearts a phrase that I gave to you a couple of weeks ago, and it goes like this. That even when God doesn't feel like he's working in your life, when it, even when you don't sense that God is working in your life, you say, even though I don't feel it, even though I'm not sure of it, how would someone in my situation act if I was convinced God was with them? Remember? You say, how would someone in my situation act if, if I was convinced God was with them? How would someone in my situation act if I was convinced God was with me? Even though I don't feel that you're working. Even though no. Yeah, you were singing it, weren't you, Rochelle? Yeah, there we go. This is a good worship. <laughs> right? I wish I had your voice. I'm like, Eva, but that's, that's kind of how it goes, is it? Something, something that you're working. Yeah. Right? We sing the song most Sundays. In fact, we've sung the song so much that some of you come up to me and say, can we just stop singing that song? Right? We sing it so we can... Apply it to our hearts. It happens like that, right, Rochelle? This is how the Holy Spirit works, if you want to know how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit works that in that moment, he takes the song that has frustrated the daylights out of you for the last three weeks because Northside sung it eight times in a row every Sunday. And when you're in that moment, you sing it back to yourself, right? (laughs) Even though I don't feel it, you're working. Even though I know it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That's what he was preaching to himself. So faith is not a miracle. Faith is thinking. It's applying it to your life. And when worry arises, you know, here's what happens for me. When, when worry arises, um, the problem for me is when worry, when worry arises, when, when I start listening to my mouth rambling in a, and, and my heart gets scared. That, that's what worry is for me. That's my definition of worry for me is when I just listen to my mouth rambling and my heart starts getting scared because I'm listening to myself, right? It's, I'll tell you where you do it. I'm like this at the dentist. I know for many of you, you're already triggered. Right? I, I go to the dentist and I sit back in that chair and I get the cool looking sunnies on and then I peek over in my peripheral vision. You ever done this at the dentist? And you peek over and you see all these gnarly tools coming out of the side that the dentist, dentist's about to grab. And I'm like, I swear I saw this on a James Bond movie the other month. You know, and they're, they're going to stick that in my mouth. Like, what's, it's going to hurt. It's going to, right? I start listening to my mouth rambling, my mind rambling. You know, <laughs> Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, don't you know your problem is you spend too much time listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. You preach what Jesus preached. You preach that song, even though I don't feel it, I know that you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even though it doesn't feel like he's in control, you preach it to yourself. And so this morning, I'm going to get you to do a worry audit. 
all of you accountants out there, it's the accountant in me, right? Just do, I do this every now and then. I do an audit of my life just to remember my old life. Lawrence is loving it. He's like, this guy's speaking a language. He's an accountant. He's a CA. He's like, all right, finally a message I can understand. Okay, this is good, right? A worry audit. I want you to ask yourself this question over the next 30 seconds or so. How much of your anxiety in the last week has been a function of trying to control the uncontrollable and not thinking enough on the things of God? I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Tell you mine, um, our little youngest Chelsea, poor little Chelsea, um, vomited three weeks ago in the middle of her class in school. And um, all through her hands, you know, all the kids are saying, we're feeling sick, miss. And she thought they were all joking and then, you know, right in the middle of the classroom. It was probably every little girl's worst nightmare. And so the poor little thing for the last two weeks ever since has... Um, just not wanted to go back to school and um and it's it's torn her up and then we took her down to a conference that we had and she was in the kids program down there and like lo and behold as the lord would have it she ends up hanging with these two other girls who are homeschooled right so you can imagine right she comes back from that she's like i don't need to go to school anymore these girls go to homeschool that's just homeschool right Oh, so like every day, this rigmarole of, of getting a set up, and we've been inching her like 10 minutes ahead. You know, if we could just get her extra 10 minutes, go to recess, and then recess plus 10, and then recess plus 20. We've been doing that. We got to like 2.45 out of 3.15 last week. And then on Thursday, we get a call from school to go, sure enough, bleh, all in the classroom again. The whole lot's just been reset, and poor Kristen's behind, beside herself, and like, we're never going to have a life again. And... <laughs> We're just trying to control the uncontrollable. And I worry. Of course, it's not this cataclysmic garden of Gethsemane worry, but it's flipping annoying worry. The sorts of ones that you have, right? You may not have cataclysmic worry this morning, but you've got this sort of stuff that's going on in your life. Some of you have got things that are a lot bigger than your kids spewing in your hands. Like we all worry. That's the reality, and we will never stop worrying, but the good news is this morning, you can worry better. Because if the message of Christmas is that God came down, if the message of Christmas is that God became a baby, if the message of Christmas is that God became a baby and that baby became a man, and that man worried, then it means whether or not you are a person of the faith or not, or whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, Jesus gets you. He gets us. He gets us. And I think whether I'm taking it into a spewy kid that's trying to get back into school, 
whether I'm taking that into concerns about my finances, whether I take it into the realities in my life of trying to run church and do what I do professionally like you guys when I'm struggling in those moments. I go, he gets me. (laughs) He felt this. And if you're not an esteemed theologian, there is no other religion in the world that can declare this this morning, that this transcendent, out in the ether, living up in the clouds type God like all the rest of the world's religions can get you the way that he gets you because this is the only God that became a human. And he understands that as humans, we worry. And so look, I found that following Jesus doesn't change what you deal with, but it does change how you deal with it. Following Jesus doesn't stop life happening to you. But it does change how you deal with life. It changes your purpose. It changes your hope. It changes your confidence to get through things because of three, these three words. He gets us. Let's pray. Lord, I'm praying for anyone in this space this morning that as they've been trying to control the uncontrollable, as you have brought these things to mind, I would declare over each and every one of us in that space and in that moment, that was a moment in which, Lord, you, you were present with us. That these thoughts that have come to the forefront of our mind are, are not just there for the sake of it. That these thoughts there, I would dare to believe, have been brought to our mind by the Holy Spirit. That the thoughts as an affirmation, if you've been thinking them this morning, if you feel inadequate, if you feel that you're paralyzed by these thoughts, they're the thoughts that God is bringing to your mind and saying, child, bring that to me. I get it. I get it. Lord, I pray too that as um, we come to fix our minds upon you, that we would worry better. We'd worry better because as our minds are lifted to you, your spirit would do the job of helping our hearts to feel what our heads know to be true. Even though it doesn't feel like it, we know that you are with us and that you are working. We declare that over our lives this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, uh, Queen Elizabeth I... Uh, She was um, sending a whole uh, range of people off um, to go and work things out with the Spanish Armada. You remember that in your your history? There was a man that ran a business and he went up to her and said, I I can't do that. If I I leave my business, then how am I going to work things out in my business? And Queen Elizabeth just retorted to him, (laughs) Sir, you mind my business. And I'll mind yours. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. It's the same deal. (laughs) You mind his business and he will mind yours. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.